Stinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are conversation and uh we have a really good one tonight we're going to be talking about the legendary blaze trailing michelle nichols um ohora herself myota ohora so if you'd like to share some stories uh, or memories about her meeting her at a convention or or someplace else give us a call 646-668-2433 and we'll get you on the air so that all of the world can hear your story we would love to hear from you before we get started, though, I want to introduce to you guys my truck experts, and we'll start out with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing fantastically. As I was saying, I was just having a little popcorn snack, a little post-work snack prior to our podcast. Man, we have got some good stuff to talk about tonight, and I'm super excited that we are going to be honoring Michelle Nichols tonight. So uh, let's get her going, guys. Absolutely, and let's let's jump all the way. Let's jump over to Las Vegas, where we have our very own Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Trying to deal with the monsoons that are still passing through. The same storm still hasn't let go, and sometimes it rains, and sometimes it doesn't. Wow! Or one side of town gets it, and the other side's bone dry. Wow. It is what it is, man. It is what yep. it is. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and let's jump back to Portland where we have Paul the wine guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? Doing well, my friend. Doing doing well. Interesting week. Strange times. History abounds. Very strange. I mean I we we said last week these things happen in threes and uh Held up true. And also finishing out our Portland trifecta, we have our very own David the Donut Guy. How you doing, David? Doing great. Uh, finally, uh, the weather is really cool down over here up in the 70s. So. Well, I'll tell you, here, here, here in Vermont, it's 86 degrees. It's hazy, hot, and humid. And... Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it over three feet of snow and 20 below zero. So there you have it. As I said, guys, we were originally planning to talk about Strange New World. Now that we've had a chance for it to sink in, 
We were going to go back and talk about the high points, the low points, our favorite episodes. Um, but unfortunately, Michelle Nichols passed away. And I felt that talking about Michelle was more important. So if we don't get to fill in our Strange New Worlds, we will bump Strange New World to next Thursday. Okay, so don't worry. We're still going to talk about Strange New Worlds. It just might not be tonight. So, um, yeah. So, without any further ado, I do have a soundbite. I was watching um, the news, and I saw this really nice segment that they did on the shell. So, um, I pulled it off, and I ripped the audio, and this was a, a tribute. Was it CNN or E? Um, I think it might have been CNN. Anyways, uh, this was a really nice tribute that I saw from Michelle, and I, I kind of liked it. It's got a lot of sound bites of her, and it's got a lot of her talking about her career and different things, and I, I just liked it. So I'm going to play it for you guys here just to kind of set the tone a little bit. Starfleet Command, yes, sir. I love that people still think of me in that role, and it's so because Star Trek has never died. What is it, Lieutenant? Malfunction, sir. I don't think you could possibly imagine that uh, a television show could have this much impact on on so many people for so long, but it's wonderful. In 1966, a black woman starring in a primetime role with a diverse cast was truly groundbreaking. Ms. Nichols played Lieutenant Uhura on the Starship Enterprise, but in television history, her trailblazing role meant so much more. The first important, non-stereotypical role, the first. Nichelle was considered one of TV's most iconic pioneers, but in her later years, she suffered from dementia and was involved in a three-way conservatorship battle between her son, her close friend, and her former manager, which resulted in a lawsuit over her reported $8 million estate and her health. In 2015, I visited the actress at her home after she had suffered a stroke. I have this thing about so-called sickness, and... I can't say it about everything, every sickness, but I've, I've always felt from a little girl, if you deny it, it'll go away, and it does. <laughs> You're a fighter. Yeah, I, oh yeah, I'm a fighter. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm this kind of fighter. <laughs> Michelle showed that fighting spirit after she almost quit Star Trek following season one. She was offered a role on Broadway, but a very famous fan changed her mind. I turned around straight into the face of Dr. Martin Luther King and nearly fainted. Um, He admired the show and told me how much he admired my work and how important it was on television. And I said, well, thank you very much, but I'm leaving the show. And Dr. King said, you cannot. You have changed the face of television forever. He said, it's more important that People who are not black see this show, see you in this role, because they see us for the first time as we should be seen as equals. She also broke barriers and made history with this 1968 kiss with co-star William Shatner. Bill and I laughed and joked about it. And then suddenly, everyone was very serious. The first interracial kiss on television and my attitude was so what (laughs) this is Star Trek we're in the future don't don't worry about it and um, 
What happened was that we got the most fan mail ever. I have a favorite story I tell. I said, yes, uh, well, Bill insisted on doing 36 takes to get it right. <laughs> I'm a perfectionist, you understand. No, it's now up to about 70 because every time I see him and he kisses me, I go, that's 37, that's 38, that's 39, that's 76. <laughs> this isn't reality. This is fantasy. Ms. Nichols inspired many integrating NASA, recruiting women and people of color to take part in the space program. I was under contract to NASA to recruit the women and, and minority astronauts for the space shuttle program. And I developed other um, aerospace educational programs and projects for um, various agencies. A star for more than five decades, Michelle's grace, beauty and talent were an inspiration for so many others who would follow her path. I have had letters and have come in contact with young women who have said to me, you came on. And I thought, my God, there's somebody there representing me. I, I just, I love that, that whole, obviously you can't see it, but I love that, that interview. Of all the ones I saw, I thought that was the best because I felt that really captured her her career the best um, of all the ones that I saw. So that's why I played it for you guys tonight. I also have um, her obituary. I don't remember where I pulled this from. I pulled it somewhere off of the Internet. And um, we're going to read that for you. Actually, Eric is going to read that off for you guys. So, Eric, uh, why don't you jump in here? Sure. Uh, so it's with heavy heart I share this. Neville, uh, Nichelle Nichols, groundbreaking Star Trek actor, dead at 89. Nichelle Nichols, the groundbreaking actor who played Lieutenant Nyota Uhura on the original Star Trek series, has died. She was 89. Nichols' death was confirmed on Sunday by her son, Kyle Johnson, on her website. Johnson said his mother died of natural causes. Quote, her light, however, like the ancient galaxies now being seen for the first time, in reference to our new uh, abilities to see things out into deep space, will remain for us and future generations to enjoy, learn from, and draw inspiration. Johnson said in a statement posted to the website, Johnson and his mother's life was, uh, said his mother's life was well-lived and as such a model for everyone. He asked for privacy for the family. Nichols and her Star Trek character Uhura broke barriers as one of the first black female leads on television. Rod Roddenberry, executive producer of the current iterations of Star Trek and son of the show's creator John Gene Roddenberry, mourned Nichelle Nichols' passing on Sunday. Quote, it is with great sorrow that we report the passing on the legendary icon Nichelle Nichols, he tweeted. No words. Nichelle shared one of the first interracial kisses in television history on Star Trek. That moment with her co-star William Shatner was a courageous move on the part of her. Quote, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and NBC considering the climate at the time, but the episode Plato's Stepchildren, which aired in 1968, was written to give, out, give all involved an out. Her and Captain Kirk did not choose to kiss but were instead made to do so involuntarily by aliens with the ability to control movement of humans. Nevertheless, it was still a landmark moment. Uhura, 
whose name comes from a Swahili word meaning freedom, was essential beyond the interracial kiss, a capable officer who could man other stations on the bridge when the need arose. She was one of the first African-American women to be featured in a non-menial role on television. Whoopi Goldberg, who later played Guinan on Star Trek The Next Generation, has described Uhura as a role model, recalling that she was astounded and excited to see a black woman character on television who was not a maid. NASA later employed Nichols in an effort to encourage women and African-Americans to become astronauts. NASA Astronaut Group 8, selected in 1978, included the first women and ethnic minorities to be recruited, including three who were black. Dr. Mae Jemison, the first black woman to fly aboard the space shuttle, cited Star Trek as an influence in her decision to join the space agency. In 1991, Nichols became the first African-American woman to have her handprints immortalized at the TCL Chinese Theater. The ceremony also included other members of the original Star Trek cast, and uh, I've seen those. Those are fantastic. In the early 1970s, the actress made a few guest appearances on TV and appeared in the 1974 exploitation film Truck Turner, starring Isaac Hayes. She appeared in a supporting role in a 1983 adaptation of Antony and Cleopatra that also featured her Star Trek co-star Walter Koenig. She starred with Maxwell Caulfield and Talia Balsam in the 1986 horror sci-fi feature The Supernaturals, and later Nichols began to do voice work, lending her talent to the animated series Gargoyles and Spider-Man. She also voiced herself on Futurama. The actress played the mother of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s lead character in 2002's Snow Dogs and Miss Mabel in the 2005 Ice Cube comedy, Are We There Yet? So, wow. Uh, great. Uh, that's a great obituary to just kind of like give us a rundown of all of the many things that she's done in her career. And, and we have a lot more to say about Michelle Nichols, but uh, that's a little taste of her obituary. And now we've got kind of a really special section, I think. Uh, Jim has kind of put together a whole list of uh, stars who have given little tributes to Nichelle Nichols. Jim, do you want to tell us a little bit more about him before Charles launches into him? Yeah, so uh, as I was going along through Twitter, um, I kept seeing all the comments popping up in reference to Nichelle. Uh, The first one that I saw was almost as soon as I read the obituary, this one popped up um, from George. And uh, shortly after that, Walter popped up. And then I started seeing them from, from other people popping up. And so I grabbed them and I started putting them on, on our Facebook page and on our notes for tonight's show. And before I knew it, I had a whole slew of them. And I said, you know, this, this is something that we should, definitely talk about on the show we should share what these what the actor other actors feel about Nichelle as well so what I did is I put them on here and I broke them down so that each one of of my truck has an opportunity uh, to read a tribute to Nichelle and say have a moment to say what what they feel they want to say at that point in time so uh, I think I have three or four for each one of us I lost count, 
But at any rate, there, there's quite a few here to go through. So I, I hope you guys that are listening um, enjoy this and, and get the same feeling out of it that I did putting it all together. Um, so uh, we do have a caller on the line, though, already. So awesome. let me see if I can get this, get this thing to work here. Sometimes it doesn't want to. Hello, thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? Hello, Hello. this is Ray. Hello, this is Ray. Ray, what's up? What's going on? Man, I'm okay. I'm yo, I'm yo, I'm yo. I'm surprised you let me call early today. I'm shocked. No, no. We're, we always want to hear from you, Ray. Although I gotta say, unfortunately, Yankees didn't do too well against the Mets. That's okay. So I, know, about- I know. Well, I just want, I just want to say one thing. I, when I found out about the show Nichols on Sunday, I was in tears. You know, I grew up watching this lady. You know, say me and my mom grew up watching the old Star Trek and like you know, and she and she she was an inspiration to us all. And I just and I, I really miss her. Everything else, I, I enjoy her career, I enjoy her work, and everything else. And she'll always be missed. And also, like last night, right. I did what I watched session last night, right? I haven't seen it in so long. I'm like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like she's right there in front of me, you know, on the TV set, you know what I'm saying, like that. But you know what I'm saying? God speak to her, her family, and everybody else. I'm sorry, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, always be blessed. And she always be on the Marvel stars as a terror whore, as always. Absolutely. And, and Ray, we have, we have some more to talk about for Nichelle, so... We welcome you to hang out I'll and listen to the rest of the show. Yeah, 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 I'm going to hang out. Yeah, I was going to say, Ray, like, like one thing that Ray just said, which I think is really cool about, if you think about it, like technology allows us the ability to see Nichelle Nichols as she once was at any moment, right? Like I can go to my Paramount Plus and I can dial up an old episode of Star Trek to watch and see her. Uh, back in the day. And I do think that that's a special thing because I think that that, you know, not to, not to say that uh, that's the only iteration of Nichelle Nichols that ever existed. Cause certainly she did so much during her life that we've already talked know, a little bit so about. Much, you know, she, did, she did so much, you know, like mirror, 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 mirror. I tried to ask one question about that one. How is that a six pack? You ain't yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> she no, looks good in that one, that right? So yeah. How you got a six pack? She does. Now, seriously, <laughs> you watch the episode game, right? And you and you just order a little bit of cut the cut the little for that, right? And she she doing a six pack. I'm like, what? Yeah. No, it's so true. Oh, it's so true. But I do appreciate that, that ability to kind of like go back and see her, you know, see all these characters kind of like in all their different iterations throughout time. So it's just a nice homage to be able to be uh, to do that. See her in the movies, you know. See her in the TOS episodes, all the different things. A lot, you know, and you know, and, 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 and also, you know, a lot of hairstyles, like you know, like remember talking yep. to such a bunch like Jerry curls. Remember yep. talking to the original, she had a beehive, a beehive yep. hairstyle, and an afro, or a motion picture. And then, and then it goes, Star Trek 5, I think Star Trek 5, she had her hair like a little bit white on the side. I can't remember. She had some white on the side of her hair. She did. Yep. Right. And, yep. then, and then and you turn around, as you turn around, she did on this whole country. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's, it's, it's almost like she, I, knew, I mean, I know she's getting old in that moment. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I love her hairstyle, everything else. She is, the eight, you know, she, she is a special, a special African she is a special um, a black lady. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, we, we all proud of her. We all proud of her. And, and her achievements. 
That's right. And she's talked a little bit about like when she was able to like take her hair and just kind of let it be more natural and like what that meant to her to, to just be able to let her hair be what her hair was. Right. Because she didn't yeah, have to. Like, true. Yeah. Yep. So, that's true. That's, that's, cool. that's true. That's true. Cause, cause you remember the sixties, but the sixties during that time. Now, I mean, I mean, now, now, this, now, this is where I was born. But I mean, like, you know, like my mom told me, yeah, she, 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 she said, yeah, a lot of black women have beehives. Beehives everywhere you go, see beehives everywhere. And then you had to do the seventies, right? And she had the afro in the eighties, had the jerry curl on and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? Don't say no. I just want, I just want to say, I just want to say, I miss her, love her to death. And, and you know what I'm saying? And, you know what I'm saying? And, all, and, and God, and, you know, make sure God will take care of her. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. I'm going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Right. Well, thank you so much, Ray, for, for taking time to give us a call and, and share your feelings about Michelle Nichols. We really, really appreciate it. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I, 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 I'm going to do guys. I, I, I'm going to hang out to the rest of the night and, and listen to y'all, okay? Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Ray. All right. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, I'll hook you next week. You take care. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Ray. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Good job, brother. Okay. That, that was Ray. He's down. He's in the Bronx. Um, he's listening to us in the Bronx, which is really, really cool. And, uh, Charles, I've, I've got a couple of quotes here. You get to start off the party. Yeah. Well, let's start off with George Takei. I shall have more to say about the trailblazing, incomparable Michelle Nichols, who shared the bridge with us as a tenderhura of the USS Enterprise, and who passed away today at the age of 89. For today, my heart is heavy, my eyes shining like stars. You now rest among my dearest friends. Walter Koenig. My heart goes out to Michelle's son, Kyle, Michelle's sister, and Sky Conway, who stood by and up for our dear co-worker, Michelle Nichols, these very trying past years. Love always. Zoe Saldana. We have lost a true star. The unique artist was ahead of her time. She's an icon, an activist, and most importantly, an amazing woman who blazed a trail that's shown so many how to see women of color in different lights. Her strive for equality was unwavering. Melissa Nevia. Michelle Nichols, her light will be shining brighter and stronger than ever. All the rest of her now and peace to uh, to her family. Cannot wait for the celebration of her life that is to come and all the stories that those who knew her best will share. And we'll talk about Michelle. One of my interesting first exposures to her was the fact of Star Trek Las Vegas. She'd come in and spend the weekend in the dealer's room. I think one year she went on stage. The following year, she just couldn't deal with being on stage. But she spent the time in the dealer's room talking with fans and just love just the interaction with fans. I didn't get a chance to go to the Los Angeles Comic Comic Festival in last December 
but <clears throat> the USS Windrunner that I'm a part of is part of the fleet. And the fleet helped hosted uh, part of that, helped to help host part of that convention. And that was Michelle's final convention. And several of the members really got time to speak to her. And they had this wonderful send-off at the end of the convention for her. But if you want to really get an idea who Michelle was, and a friend is doing a little viewing party this weekend, as we're going to catch women in motion. Go on Paramount Plus and watch that, if you haven't already. You'll get an idea who she was beyond Star Trek. Because from Star Trek, she got involved in NASA. And the work she did in NASA was incredible. She's going to be severely missed as we're down to three original TOS members. And it's just going to be... First we get TOS, and then people start getting to the next generation. But as we so we lose actors, we just look forward and bow and smile to all the work that she's done. So I will pass it on to Jim. Okay, so the first... Uh... A uh, memoir I have is from Celia Rose Gooding, and of course you guys know that she plays Lieutenant Uhura, Cadet Uhura, on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, she said, she made room for so many of us. She was a reminder that not only can we reach the stars, but our influence is essential to their survival. Forget shaking the table, she built it. Rest in peace, Nichelle Nichols. I love that. Forget shaking the table, she built it. I, I love that quote. Uh, Next we have William Shatner Uh, He's Captain Picard On Star Trek The Next Generation Uh, (laughs) Oh Jim Old and senile Old and senile (laughs) And of course he plays Captain James T. Kirk On Star Trek And he said I am so sorry to hear about the passing of Michelle She was a beautiful woman And played an admirable character That did so much for redefining social issues Both here in the U.S. And throughout the world, I will certainly miss her. Sending my love and condolences to her family. Uh, next, we have LeVar Burton, who played Jory LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation. He said, y'all heartbroken at the news of her passing. However, I am comforted in the knowledge that she illuminated the way for some of us, so many of us, with her grace, beauty, talent, intelligence, and her commitment to humanity. Going boldly to the stars. And uh, the last one I have is Jerry Ryan, who plays Seven of Nine on Voyager and Star Trek Picard. She said, rest in peace to a true legend. Her legacy will live on forever. Nichelle Nichols. Um, so I have to say, I, I watched Star Trek VI the other night, and um, Charles was alluring to earlier. As I was watching the movie, I was, I, I was realizing that Captain Kirk, Chekhov, and Sulu are the only ones left. Everyone else in the movie 
is no longer with us. David Warner just passed away recently. Of course, Gorkhan and Christopher Plummer, who plays Chang, has been gone for a while. Uh, Sarek. I mean, I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking, wow, this is this is really um, wow. You know, I thought, you know, you, think these, you don't see these times ever ending, and then when they do, it it hits you, and uh, yeah, it surprised me. I have to say, though, uh, unfortunately, by the time I started getting really, really involved in Star Trek, it wasn't until uh, like 87, 88. And by that time, a lot of the TOS actors weren't doing as many conventions as the TNG actors were because TNG was trying to get, a, get recognized and get a foothold and fans were really headed to it. So, um, you know, I saw, I saw the TNG people five, six, seven times, whereas... I very rarely did I get to see anybody from TOS, but I did I did run into her at two conventions, actually one convention and C-Track. Um, so I, I did get an opportunity to meet her. She was a very charming um, lady for sure. She was very energetic, very bubbly, and she really it was enthusiastic about Star Trek and about the fans. And uh, she was just a very great, very gracious, gracious person. And, uh, I agree with what everyone else said. She will definitely be missed. But uh, as Celia uh, Rose said, don't shake the table. She built it. I kind of like that. So, um, you know, that's what I have to say about Michelle. Paul, who do you have on your list with remembrances for Michelle? Well, we've got some great quotes from all kinds of people uh, across uh, showbiz and uh, and Star Trek uh, universe who knew her and were moved by her passing. Uh, first of all, we have uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who, of course, created the uh, character of Guinan. Uh, Nichelle Nichols was a trailblazer, a heroine, and an extraordinary woman, somebody who inspired millions and millions of people, but who inspired me because I explained when I went to get my gig at Star Trek that Michelle was the first black person I'd ever seen who made it to the future. She was the head of communications. And this show and this woman was the one beacon that said, yes, we'll be there. And it just made me feel like that was an amazing thing. She helped propel other women to go into space. She was extraordinary. And I was lucky enough to spend time with her over the years. She was my friend. She'll be missed. This next quote is from Wilson Cruz, of course, Dr. Uh, Hugh Culber on Star Trek Discovery. Before we understood how much representation matters, Nichelle Nichols modeled it for us. With her very presence and her grace, she shone a light on who we as a people of color are and inspired us to reach for our potential. Rest well, glittering diamond in the sky. And finally, from me, from Sonequa Martin-Green, Michael Burnham of Discovery, it's important to think outside of the box because that's very much what Nichelle did. Being an actor is great, but she went beyond that. She sort of set her dreams as an actor to the side and said, I'm going to dedicate myself to my community, and I'm going to dedicate myself to progression and to the future and to the world, really. David, let me pass it over to you. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Yep. All right, cool. So I have Marina Sotes who said, 
I led the way and opened the door for but oh, you led the way and opened the door for the rest of us who followed in your wake. We will be forever grateful. My heart is broken. <clears throat> broken. Uh, Alec Kurtzman said, Michelle's was a singular inspiration. She's the only one who really opened my eyes to what Star Trek is and can be. I can't tell you how many people have told me she's the reason they became an astronaut. A scientist, a writer, a linguist, an engineer, it goes on and on. J.J. Abrams wrote, A remarkable woman, a remarkable role. Michelle, you will be deeply missed, sending much love and respect. Jonathan Franks, Franks says, So kind and so important and so stunning. Rest in peace, Michelle, or her. And Eric? Yeah, uh, I have three great remembrances here to kind of wrap us up. Uh, The first is from one of my favorite captains, Kate Mulgrew. Uh, Of course, Captain Catherine Janeway of Star Trek Voyager. She said, Michelle Nichols was, quote, the first. She was a trailblazer who navigated a very challenging trail with grit, grace, and a gorgeous fire we are not likely to see again. May she rest in peace. Oof. That is a fiery quote uh, from a fiery woman that I think is very befitting. Uh, speaking of fiery women, uh, Linda Carter, that's right, Wonder Woman herself, uh, was quoted as saying, many actors became become stars, but few stars can move a nation. Michelle Nichols showed us the extraordinary power of black women and paved the way for a better future for all women in media. Thank you, Michelle. We will miss you. Whew. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, a quote from our president, uh, Joe Biden. He said, a daughter of a working class family from Illinois, she first honed her craft as an actor and singer in Chicago before touring the country and the world performing with the likes of Duke Ellington and giving life to the words of James Baldwin during the height of the civil rights movement. She shattered stereotypes to become the first black woman to act in a major role on a primetime television show with her groundbreaking portrayal of Lieutenant Uhura in the original Star Trek. With a defining dignity and authority, she helped tell a central story that reimagined scientific pursuits and discoveries And she continued this legacy by going on to work with NASA to empower generations of Americans from every background to reach for the stars and beyond. Our nation is forever indebted to inspiring artists like Nichelle Nichols who show us a future where unity, dignity, and respect are cornerstones of every society. That is well said. And, um, you know, everybody's got a little Michelle Nichols story. I guess mine would be, and I've told the story many times, that my uh, introduction to Star Trek was growing up on copies uh, that my local library had on 16 millimeter, watching them in the basement in the children's department as my mom would drop me off and let me hang out at the local library all day. And one of those episodes was uh, season one, episode two, Charlie X. And in that episode, um, Spock plays his liar, and Uhura comes up 
and starts humming as Spock's playing his lyre. And I have to tell you, man, even as a kid, the very first time I ever heard Michelle Nichols sing, it for whatever reason, man, the tone of her voice just hit me. And I literally remember the moment that I got goosebumps watching that episode for the first time. And I, I couldn't have been any more than about eight or nine years old at this point. Um, just a very, very special moment. And from there on, um, she became kind of a special, uh, I guess, icon or, or, or example to me because I grew up in a small Illinois town, honestly, where um, people of one color lived on one side of the river and people of another color lived on the other side of the river. And I did not have a lot of black friends growing up. And for whatever reason, she was kind of my introduction to, oh, yeah, this is normal to have uh, somebody like this, you know, just interacting with all these guys who are in charge, who looked like all the people that I had grown up uh, with all around me. So I just really appreciated, you know, as a, as a white guy myself, uh, I just want to acknowledge the fact that she even had an impact on people like me because she helped kind of like introduce us to the, or, or, or helped, I guess, normalize uh, a dark skinned person in a, in a place of authority, you know? And then I just kind of, that kind of became a tenant for my life. And I think that's one of the reasons she's one of the main reasons I would say that I fell in love with early Star Trek. And then of course, next generation just really pulled me in hardcore. But um, so yeah, uh, great tributes we've had here guys and uh, Charlie X and listening to Uhura sing and watching her of course do her fan dance later on was also a special treat, but just her voice to me was so special. Um, loved it so much. So you know, you go. I got to say, um, you know, as a white guy uh, growing up in upstate New York, I, live, uh, I was raised in a little small town, Scotia Glenville. Uh, we had exactly two black students in my school. We had a class of 600, and we only had two black students. But my grandparents, as I've said on the podcast many, many times, lived in Brooklyn, New York. And I would spend my summers down there on 53rd Street between 5th and 6th Avenue, and maybe maybe Ray is familiar with that area. There's a great pizza place on the corner called King's. And at any rate, I would spend my summers down in New York City in Brooklyn. And when I was down in Brooklyn, I would see the melting pot of America. I would see all races, all everybody, all together in one place, all doing their thing, all getting along, all, you know, working and, and whatnot. So when I came back, to go to school and whatnot, to me, it wasn't a big issue. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal uh, because I was so used to seeing that kind of thing down in New York City that it never dawned on me the significance of Michelle on Star Trek because to me, that was just the way it is. And, um, you know, I'm sure that in other parts of the country, like Eric was just saying, that wasn't the case in all parts of the country, but it was for me. And so I never really looked at it as a big deal for me. Um, but again, I'm a white, I'm a white guy growing up in, you know, in, in, in white suburbia. So um, for me, my, my, the way I looked at it was a little bit different to me. It just made sense. It's just, that's just what life is. It's normal. Um, and then, so and then I, Jim, let's let's talk about like I the one thing that I wanted to make sure and hit. Not I we obviously are focusing on her acting, 
on the roles she was given on her like social influence and stuff. But then there is Star Trek five and the way that she looks in that movie where she's got the gray hair and she's got the makeup and she just looks so good in that movie. And I know that that's one of your favorite movies. So uh, just like also a beautiful woman in addition to a fantastic actress and all the other things that she fell into, not bad to look at on the screen, particularly in that movie. <laughs> no, and I think that uh, one of the tributes, I, I think it might have been Sonequa Martin-Green, maybe, I'm not sure. One of them was talking about how she paved the way. And uh, it, it's true because we brought this up on the podcast uh, during Discovery, way 2017. And it, uh, when, the, when uh, Michael Burnham went from the Vulcan uh, bowl cut that all Vulcans wear... Uh, right. to the, her current hairdo. And I had mentioned how I really like the, her, her current hairdo so much better than the Vulcan hairdo that she had, the bowl cut thing. And yeah. at that point, I, I was called out at that point for being racist and why can't a black woman wear her hair that way? And the whole point wasn't, I, I think the whole point got lost is that because Nichelle in the 60s as Ray was saying, uh, went with the basic beehive, which was everybody was wearing. But as Michelle went through her career, she went to wearing her hair natural. And yeah, I mean, Star Trek, the motion picture man, she has a afro in that, in that movie, and it looks great on her. And that was a special moment to see her, like, sporting a natural haircut like that. Yes, it was. And she, she, she did pave the way because... Michael Burnham was able to wear her hair the way she wanted to wear her hair, and it wasn't an issue. And those are the types of influences that Nichelle started back in the 60s that we take for granted today. You know, I think uh, people don't understand when they say, when they talk about Star Trek, how it's not political. And, you know, one of the tributes was talking about the civil rights movement and, and a lot of people today, well, I'm one of them because I wasn't born at that point yet. Um, but when the civil rights movement was going on, Michelle Nichols didn't have a right to vote. She couldn't vote at that point. And, uh, you know, people forget that, how influential she actually was. Seeing her there was a big, big deal back in yeah. the 60s, particularly well, when the, what was going on in the country at that time. So I, I, look I have nothing fact. but respiration for her. Look at the fact that who went to the moon? Men. White men. And I don't know how she got involved, but it's like, <clears throat> okay, we need more than just white men going to the moon. Going and going into space, and she was the she was the face of getting people to show up. And they had other races that started showing up. They started getting women there, and not just being behind the scenes, but being there in front of the scenes, being there in the action. And a lot of them will thank her that she's the one that help them realize that was a career they could do. 
Yeah, Charles. And uh, in case uh, somebody hasn't listened to one of our previous episodes where we talked about this before, a fantastic place to learn more about uh, Nichelle Nichols' influence on the space program is by watching the uh, 2019 documentary called Woman in Motion. Uh, it's an hour and a half long, and it's a fantastic kind of um, I guess just a story about the influence. Yeah, it's well, it's a, it, yeah, it's a documentary, but it's it's just a story. It's told in a really nice way about her influence uh, that that she had on the space program and and some of the things that we've been talking about in some of the articles here. So definitely check out Woman in Motion. I I can't remember which service it was on. I feel like it's on Netflix. Paramount so, Plus. No, it's on Paramount. Of course, it's on Paramount Plus. It is so. Paramount Plus. Yeah. Yep. So Paramount Plus or, or rent it from Prime. In fact, I believe that uh, Nichelle Nichols actually recruited Dr. J. Um, J. Jameson, um, J., um, the scientist. He's actually been on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, the first black scientist, the first black woman that went went to space. J. Dr. J. Um, yes. Why oh, am yeah. I? Why am yes, I? Why I believe am I, she was. Yeah, she yes, actually. I've heard the name because Jessica yeah. Watkins. No, J. Doctor J. Um, J. Something. May yeah. Jameson. Jameson. May Jameson. Yeah. Jameson. Yeah. May Jameson. There yeah. we go. She was recruited by Nichelle exactly. Nichols in the NASA. She was the first, the first uh, black astronaut, and then she actually came back and was on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Which is really cool. <laughs> yes, really cool. In fact, so my my first my first uh, return to a Star Trek convention, Star Trek Las Vegas, was the 51st anniversary because I couldn't get tickets for the 50th anniversary. And I'm kind of wandering through a little bit, and I'll go in the main theater, sit down, and kind of listen to it. And who's the first speaker? But her, she was the first one on there, and then out at the end of her panel, Michelle came on stage and talked to her. All right, so that here's must your have been re- awesome. here's your reference, listeners. Uh, Dr. Mae Jemison uh, was a noted NASA astronaut. She attended the Send Off Gala in Los Angeles, held in honor of the launch of the Europa mission in 2024 when Jean-Luc Picard attempted to convince his ancestor Rene Picard to return to the gala he told her that it was uh, that he was sent to collect her because quote Dr. Jemison is going to make a toast and they want all the astronauts on the stage Picard episode two of one there you go excellent well uh David or, or Paul, do you guys have anything you would like to add to our conversation before we move on, guys? Uh, yeah, I guess my first uh, ever seeing the show was actually from TOS. I don't really exactly remember what episode, but um, that's one of the things I like about Star Trek is the diversity of the, all these different cultures coming together and just being able to cooperate. Where absolutely, yeah. So it 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 was really sad to hear her pass. I was actually shocked because I thought she was going to live a lot longer than 
because I didn't realize she was actually getting that close to, uh, like, she had dementia. I knew she had it, but I didn't know how bad it was. So I just was like, huh, wow. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, I uh, was surprised, too, when I did it myself. And, and Paul, you got the caboose here, guy. You get the last word. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you guys have said a lot. I think we've you know covered quite a bit of uh, of excellent remembrances. I, I think just for me, growing up watching the show, it was just you know part of that whole tapestry where you know she was a very strong voice in sh- terms of showing that there is a place we can get to in the future where the the stuff that we exist that exists around us today, a pettiness and prejudice and hatred, there's a way to get beyond that and, and was a huge component of exemplifying a better future that we could all strive towards, that where you know, race was no longer something divided us, but something that we could take delight in. And it was a huge uh, piece of uh, that tapestry. So, um, you know, that's, I think that really says it all for me. All right, and on that note, guys, uh, we're going to take a our first commercial break, and our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We will be live for about the next hour, so please give us a call and share your story. We would love to hear from you. Uh, but first, we're going to take this very quick but very important commercial break. Run to the bathroom, run to the microwave, grab your chicken wings, grab your pizza bites, and come right back because we got a lot more to talk about. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond, or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Trek Talking would like to invite you and your friends to ease your way back into the Star Trek event scene by joining us August 19th through the 21st at Trek Conderoga 2022 the biggest little Star Trek event in Ticonderoga, New York. Headliners Gates McFadden, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner will be giving photo ops, autographs, and will be participating in celebrity guest talks. Trek Talking will also be in attendance, as Uncle Jim and Eric chair discussion panels on Klingons and Starfleet admirals. Tour the original series set tours, play some mini-golf, or attend an award-winning Elvis tribute show. There is something for everyone at Trek Ponderoga. We hope to see you there. Engage. Don't miss Fandom Fest New York, featuring special guests, vendors, artists, esports, tabletop games, and so much more. Fandom Fest, a unique con experience at Proctor's, August 12th through 14th. And we're back. And I got to say, Eric, you did a great job on those spots. So thank you. Thank you so much. They sound really good. 
Absolutely, Jim. And I have to tell you that my biggest wish and hope is that at Trek Honda Rogra this year, somebody comes up to us and says, I heard you on the podcast. Hi, my name is X. I'd love to meet some new friends. So please do come up to our table and say hello. And and I got to say something else. The Fandom Fest spot. Now, guys, listen to me. Does that not sound like Paul, the wine guy? Or is it just me? I, I think I think Paul I think Paul could tell I do respect to the man who made that because we had him on the podcast a little while ago and he did a great job. I think Paul could kick that up a notch, man. Like this guy has got mad vocal skills. You can hear it every time he says something. You're like, oh my god, tell me more. Yeah. Well, we'll have to put that to the test, friends, and find out if it's really possible. <laughs> there you go. That's what I'm talking about. I'm standing by yeah. down in the cargo hold. Just let me know when you're ready to record. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. So, guys, um, this is the part of the show uh, where we normally start the show with our fan shout-outs. And if you'd like to be mentioned in a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page at Truck Talking and Beyond. You have to spell that all out. And you'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top of the page. And just pop on in there and tell us where you're listening from. Every week, I pick 15 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you want to tune into the next show because your name is going to be immortalized for all of eternity so that everybody knows that not only are you a Star Trek fan, but you support Trek talking. So, Eric, why don't you get us started? I definitely will, and if you are not listening live, I hope you hear us on the download. So hello and kapla to Oliver Vimoen Bauer up there in northern Norway. Northern Norway, man, that's like that's like north north, right? Yeah, Oliver, thank you so much for listening to us us and uh, carrying the torch as far north as I think we have heard from anybody. So uh, thank you so much. We're also saying hello this week to Marta Kubica in Poland. That's right, right there in Eastern Europe. I got some family uh, through my wife's side uh, in that area. Marta, I hope to visit that area one of these days. Thank you so much for listening to us and, and taking care of uh, making sure that Trek talking is represented in Poland. We're also saying hello this week to Robert Scott Whitlock on Prince Edward Island up there in Canada. Uh, one of the uh, 11 provinces, I believe, I have my math correct. I have never been to Prince Edward Island. I've been to many provinces, but I have not been there, and I hope to get there one day. So thank you, Robert Scott Whitlock, for listening to us up there. And my final fan shout-out goes out to Christer Kajmeier in Gothenburg, Sweden. Uh, man, I have some family in Sweden, and I have to tell you, my friend, the next time we go to Europe, I'm going to Sweden. So Christer Thank you so much for listening to us, and I hope to take in the wonders of your country one of these days myself. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Okay. Charles? Charles is currently muted. <laughs> He's okay. on mute. There we there go. There he is. He's okay. there. So, uh, the least Rogers. From Kapel, Hawaii. I'm not sure which island that is. I'm not familiar with the smaller islands. That may be our first one from one of uh, these small islands. 
Yeah, Capoli is on Oahu, if I'm not mistaken. All so right. Definitely cool. one of the smaller islands, yeah. Yep. Robert Kerr from Holland. Paula Irene Millens from Washington State. Hey, Paula, I'm heading towards Washington State Labor Day weekend. Heading just south of, the, south of Seattle. And cop fan Timothy Bowman from Lancasting, Michigan. David, who's on your list? Hey, hi. Todd Miller from uh, uh, Jim Collins from Nashville, Tennessee. Larry Dalba from Daytona Beach, Florida. John Smegman, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, from Montreal, Quebec. Love your city, Paul, John. Paul, on your list? Thanks, David. Well, we've got all kinds of folks uh, who listen to our uh, podcast and who go to our Facebook page across the whole planet. And here's evidence of same First of all, a great appreciation and a huge welcome to Ulf Walkvist in Eskilstuna, Sweden, all the way over on that magical part of the continent. So, Ulf, thanks so much for your, uh, your ear and for listening to us and for all of your support. On the other side of the globe in Tokyo, Japan, Sam Murata. Thank you, Sam, so much for listening to us. It's great to hear from you. Hope you're having a great summer. Kapla also, and uh, felicitations to Ismet Mujensnovic, and sends a greeting hello from Bosnia and Herzegovina. So thank you, Ismet, for uh, your wonderful greeting. It's great to hear from you, and thank you for listening uh, to everything you do. And lastly, from me, uh, Peter Schwerkmann in Unkel Rheinland-Palatin in Germany. So we have folks who are living the Star Trek values and enjoying... Uh, the message, and uh, probably quite moved by uh, Nichelle Nichols' passing, all across the globe. It's, it's, I love that we have such a global audience because it really is something that you feel that uh, there's this great unification uh, for people who share a common interest and enthusiasm. And that is a heck of a cause for optimism. So I love that uh, unifying factor and uh, bringing it together. That is such a big, powerful piece of the Star Trek firmament. Jim, I think you've got some as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. We want to say thank you and complaud of Graham Pollard, who's listening in Ireland, sends us to live long and prosper. And uh, my grandfather is from Ireland, so that's really, really cool. We want to say live long and prosper to Derek A. Buckner, who's listening to us in Alexandria, Virginia. And in my neck of the woods here, up in New England, we want to say kabla to Stephen Biffler, who's in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And last, but definitely not least, uh, top fan, Randy Dwayne Gould, who is still in Kansas. And we want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. And once again, you can go to our Facebook page, Trek Talk and Beyond, and you'll see Live Long and Prosper. And just pop right in there. And tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart next to your name from your truly Uncle Jim. And this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, which means we have to have the birthday song. 
Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who sadly enough are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we have 10 members of our Star Trek community who have left us who would have had birthdays. Uh, The first is Melvin Belly, who played Gorgon in TOS's episode And the Children Shall Lead. Uh, He was actually more famous as a criminal defense and personal injury lawyer, not an actor. Uh, in among his many legal accomplishments are the defense of Jack Ruby, uh, the man who murdered Lee Harvey Oswald. And he was also defense attorney of Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Uh, Melvin Belly uh, was not an actor when he was put into this role. And Fred Freiberg was, uh, uh, was quoted as saying he wasn't a great actor, uh, he wasn't, uh, but he was very cooperative and he was fun to work with. So that seems good. Uh, so Melvin, thank and you he very much for your Star Trek episodes ever. Uh, so that that out too, right? He didn't he, he he didn't have much to work with, man. I have to tell you that uh, Paul and I agree this is uh, this is pretty much bottom of the barrel. But I don't want to I don't want to belabor that because yeah. it is Melvin's birthday. Uh, so happy That's birthday, Melvin. True. Uh, perhaps with a better episode of Star Trek, you could have done better. <laughs> uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to actor Jack Blessing, uh, who was the uh, member of the Department of Temporal Investigations. Uh, he was called Agent Dolmer uh, in the DS9 episode Trials and Tribulations. Um, he also acted with Brat Dorif in Heaven's Gate in 1980 from 86 through 89, he was a semi-regular on the show Moonlighting, which actually was a show that I I kind of kept track of. I don't know if you guys watched Moonlighting or not, but it was definitely a show that I enjoyed. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So uh, happy birthday to Jack Blessing. Also happy birthday this week to Wendy Hughes, who played Lieutenant Commander Nella Darren in TNG's episode Lessons. Uh, she also had a recurring role as Dr. Carol Blythe, through the first season of a homicide life on the street in the nineties and co-starred in another nineties miniseries, a woman named Jackie detailing the life of John F. Kennedy. So happy birthday, Wendy Hughes. We're also saying happy birthday to William Wintersoul, who played Abron in TOS's episode pattern of force. Um, can uh, Wintersoul also appeared in many, many episodes of mission impossible, including Old Man Out, Submarine with Leonard Nimoy, uh, and Cat's Paw with Leonard Nimoy. Can you believe that there is a episode of Mission Impossible also called Cat's Paw? I love it. So happy birthday to William Wintersoul. Also happy birthday to Nehemiah Persoff, who played Pallard Toff in TNG's episode, The Most Toys. We were just talking about this episode the other day relative to our book review um nehemiah you guys this man made it to 103 years old and he had over 200 film and television appearances uh 
Um, and he kind of had this dual career when his, in his early career, he was kind of known more as a villain uh, in classic films like The Wrong Man, Al Capone, and Some Like It Hot. And then later, he was uh, kind of known as a kinder, gentler sort of guy. So he was known as Rabbi Reb Mendel, uh, Yentl's father in 1983's Yentl uh, and a couple of other movies. So very diverse, very long-lived, and very influential actor. Nehemiah Persoff would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Theodore Marcuse, who played Korob in TOS's episode Cat's Paw, Speak of the Devil. Marcuse began his television career in 1950, uh, started a movie career five years later. And uh, so, uh, unfortunately, he died tragically in a road accident in Hollywood uh, a little bit before his time. So, happy birthday, Theodore. Also, happy birthday to Barbara Townsend, who played Admiral Rosa in TNG's episode Suddenly Human. Uh, Vice Admiral Kanat Rosa was, of course, in that episode. And uh, Barbara Townsend also was most notably starring as Mildred Potter uh, in the short-lived television series Aftermath. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but uh, yeah. was a little follow-up. And didn't last long, but uh, Barbara Townsend was on that show. So happy birthday to her. Uh, happy birthday as well to actor Paul Lambert who uh, had a couple of roles, was known as Malian in TNG's episode When the Bow Breaks, and also as Howard Clark in uh, Devil's Do. Um, he was originally, of course, uh, born in El Paso, Texas, and his first big screen role, get this, guys, was in Spartacus in 1960. He also was a very famous stage actor and was in many, many plays over the years. So happy birthday to Paul Lambert. Uh, we've got two more to go. Happy birthday as well to Ted Cassidy, who played Ruck in TOS's episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Uh, if you do not remember who Ted Cassidy is, you 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 probably actually do. Uh, he's a very tall actor. Or, you're, foot, or you're really young. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> Uh, you right. Nine, uh, yeah, that's right. Six foot nine uh, has a gravelly voice, as was just being demonstrated by Jim. Um, and you know, he of course was in that episode, but he was probably well better known uh, for portraying uh, the Butler Lurch on the television series The Adams Family. You right? Yes, oh, I can't. My wait voice a second, brother. Go that low. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what other Star Trek role Ted Cassidy did? I do. He was, and I do not remember his name, but the attendant of Loxana Troy. I do not remember nope, his name. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, that's nope, not him? Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Yeah, that's, that's a different dude. Oh, different actor. No. I'm yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about him later. He, he, he was the voice <gasps> of someone we talked about in the past. Okay. You want me to tell you? Go All right. In Arena, Ted Cassidy got the job of dubbing the voice work for the Gorn. Oh, he did. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Because you can do that deep voice. Like, oh. like esophagus, right? So really, really great. He was Bigfoot on the $6 million man. I mean, there you go. There's a legacy right there, right? I mean, the guy was just ubiquitous. Oh, that is so totally cool. He also so that was not the only voiceover work he did. He also voiced over Baylock's puppet. 
That's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, man, what a diverse guy. Ted Cassidy, uh, you are well missed, brother. And six foot nine, you, you had quite a presence. So uh, happy birthday to you. And uh, our final remembrance this week, uh, I have saved uh, David Warner until the last. David Warner, of course, had myriad Star Trek uh, appearances. Um, he played the part of St. John Talbot in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Jim's favorite movie. In 1991, he also played the Klingon Gorkon in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, uh, one of my absolute faves, and of course, just an amazing movie. And then the very following year, in 1992, uh, he had probably his his uh, you know perhaps m- most recognizable Star Trek role, playing Gol Madred in Star Trek: The Next Generation, sixth season episode, Chain of Command. Um, you know, interesting fact about David Warner and Chain of Command, when he was hired to do that job, he did not know what a Cardassian was. Um, he was quoted as saying, uh, I took over on three days notice. It was another makeup job. It was with Pat Stewart, who's an old colleague. It was great to be a part of that. I thought, oh, I've done two of the others, the old classic ones, and here I am in the next generation. I'll go for it. So I wasn't aware of it, of the Cardassians. I didn't know of their history at all, except, of course, that they weren't very nice. Due to the short time in which he had to prepare, Warner also did not have enough time to memorize his lines. As such, they were written down on cue cards. As he commented, there was too much technobabble and dialogue that doesn't come naturally to me, so they wrote everything up for me. I don't mind people knowing this. Every line I said... I actually was reading it over Patrick's shoulder where they put it down there for me to do. So, man, that is a man who can act. Uh, but last and, and not least, his, his other Star Trek connection that was one that was not quite realized was that they actually wanted him for a Deep Space Nine role. So uh, he was approached by Deep Space Nine production staff for the role of a Quorum Lan in Ascension. And Iris Stephen Bear commented, personally, I wanted David Warner as a quorum. He wanted to do it, but his wife talked him out of it because he was on vacation <laughs> and she didn't want him to work. Uh, to this day, I still wish David Warner was in it. So uh, David Warner, an actor, very, very strongly missed, I think, in the Star Trek community. So many good roles. Um, yeah. Do you guys want to say anything else about David Warner? Well, I think we pretty much all said it last week when he, he passed away just prior to his birthday. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he literally just passed away last Monday, I believe. Yep. Yeah, it was last Monday, right? Yeah. It was, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we talked quite a bit about him last week. Sad. Cool. All right. Well, then that is uh, that is it for our tributes this week. So why don't we carry on with some birthdays of some folks who are still with us. Charles, you want to kick that off for us? I sure will. going to start off with Day Young, who played Hannah Bates in TMG's Majesty Society, Arissa in DS9's A Simple Investigation, and Keela in Enterprise's Two Days and Two Nights. One of the roles that she's in several roles, extensive lists, 
But one of the roles I looked her up as like, oh, yes, I can picture her. She played a waitress in Spaceball. What a great scene that was, and for I, sure. And I know you can picture that scene. Yeah, that's a great Jay one. Loudon. Yeah. Jay Loudon played Latar in TNG's Justice. You look at Jay's list, Jay's only got about 10 credits. But he's also with uh, part of his bio mentioned he was assistant, proje- assistant professor of theater at the Metropolitan State College of Denver. So he decided to leave acting and go to teach. Molly Hagen played Paris. DS9's The Gem Hadar. And Molly has the special knowledge of being the first Vorta seen in the Star Trek universe. That's cool. That is an interesting little tidbit there, huh? That's a trivia actually on her IMDb. And I thought that yeah. was an interesting little trivia. You always think yeah, it's going to be way in. Yep. Yep. You always think Wei Yoon, but you'd be wrong. Dana Sparks played Ensign Williams in TNG Contagion. Bridget Renan played Ruby in Enterprise's First Light. Richard Fancy played Captain Fatlick in TNG's First Duty. And played an alien in Boy's Tattoo. Joanne Cassidy played Teleth in Enterprise's Home and Awakening. This is to Paul's mom. But not as much from me, but I know a couple of you may recognize another role she was in. As she played Zorka in Blade Runner. A classic. Yeah, Zora. Classic. Uh, definitely, the she's got that like sparkly body paint and the whole snake thing going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Doug Works played Lieutenant Commander Jack Crusher in TNG's Family, Violations, and Journeys End. Playing Wesley's dad, but. Quite a few of his roles are coming out of all kinds of different soap operas. He's got quite a few different soap operas he's been involved in. But that's a pretty good list. Paul, let's see what you can come up with. Thanks, Charles. All kinds of folks that we are paying homage to this week. Uh, Let's start off with Mike Starr. Mike Starr played uh, Tony Chichi in the Deep Space Nine episode, Bada Bing, Bada Bang. You will recognize Mike from countless movie and TV roles where he very often plays like a beefy, uh, intimidating enforcer uh, of La Cosa Nostra stripe. So Mike Starr, stay on his good side. <laughs> He's got a very uh, intimidating laugh uh, is one of the things that, uh, that Mike Starr is always known for. Happy birthday as well to Tony Rizzoli uh, on the Deep Space Episode uh, Nine, Deep Space Nine episode duet. He played a character of Kynon, and as well, if you are an old school fan, love the original series episode Muds Women. 
uh, one of uh, those very same uh, ladies, uh, Susan Denberg, the more Nordic of the trio of uh, Harry Mudd's uh, traveling companions. Uh, Susan Denberg is having a birthday as well, so happy birthday. And next up, uh, we also have uh, another original series uh, reference here, uh, France Nguyen, who is famous for playing the Dolmen of Elas in the classic episode, Elan of Troyes. This episode gets a lot of grief sometimes. It isn't taken as seriously as it could be, but it actually plays really, really well. And I think one of the reasons is because of uh, France Nguyen's performance. She takes that stuff rock solid serious on that episode. She totally believes it. She doesn't just seem like she's playing a spoiled uh, heir apparent. She just seems like she <laughs> completely mm-hmm. is. I mean, she is mm-hmm. absolutely convincing. So tremendous actress uh, with a lot of theater in her background as well. So happy birthday, France Nguyen. Felicitations and happy birthday also to the great Stephen Burkoff. You want to talk about somebody who's a lot of theater cred. Uh, Stephen Burkoff uh, is the guy. Uh, we're paying attention here due to his Deep Space Nine work as Hagath in Business as Usual. But uh, this is a character you've seen play uh, extremely intimidating villains and bad guys in everything from uh, Rambo movies to Beverly Hills Cop to you name it. I mean, uh, he's done Bond pictures. I mean, Burkhoff he was an around. Octopus, wasn't he? He was an say, octopus. Say again, yeah. you're, you're, I didn't catch what he you said. He was an octopus, yeah. Yeah, he octopus. Yeah, he had Roger Moore Bond picture, yeah. And he had a small part in Kubrick's Clockwork Orange, too, when he was uh, first starting to get involved in filmmaking. As opposed he did. to theater. And he was yeah, actually so. on one episode of Doctor Who, of the, like the Doctor Who reboot back in 2012 as well. Oh, man, crazy. Yeah, but he's an interesting he dude. I, he was the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop, I, I think, too. He was, absolutely. Beverly Hills Cop, that's one of the first things I remember seeing him in. Uh, but he's very scary, and he's just got those kind of glacial, penetrating, unblinking eyes <laughs> when he's being a bad guy. Like, all right. Mr. Burkhoff, I have to leave the room because you're terrifying me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what's it like to go up and audition for a play that Stephen Burkhoff is directing? And he's sitting in the front row with his notes, just watching you and staring at you, refusing to blink. That's a that's a test I think most actors hope that they'll never have to undergo. But uh, a tremendous charismatic presence without question. So happy birthday, man. I hope you're still working and doing good stuff. Happy birthday also to the fantastic Daniel Day Kim. Uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Day Kim played Gotana Retz in Voyager's Blink of an Eye. Uh, Corporal D. Chang in Enterprise's Zindi. Also Extinction and Hatchery. So quite a few uh, different uh, appearances there in the Trek uh, cosmology. But I think a lot of folks uh, remember him most from his recurring role on the series Lost, mm-hmm. which was one of the, the real big breakthrough series to really kind of help change the nature of episodic television. You know, I think uh, Lost and The Sopranos were, I think, the two shows that really reshaped uh, modern TV uh, before streaming and uh, and made people look at things in a whole new way. And uh, he was just uh, pivotal on that show. Absolutely. He's been in everything from like a Hellboy remake, uh, the Divergent series, Works a lot. Uh, I believe Hawaii Five-0 is something that he's been working on uh, recently as well. Not a show that I've seen, 
but um, I believe pretty sure that he's on there as well, though. Let's hope I'm not getting that wrong. Every now and then I just do something right from memory, Mr. Kim, so forgive me. <laughs> forgive no, me. I think, no, I've no, confirmed it. No, no, no. You are confirmed. He's definitely on. I've got Hawaii eight years of that show. Lots yep, of good royalties, Daniel Day Kim. So I, I don't think that's you're, right. you're happy and, to make sure that that gets mentioned. And MacGyver as well on the MacGyver reboot. See, David, Daniel Day Kim works a lot. Well, and, and the, uh, show, the show that I always want to like promote, if you have never seen the show and you're at all into uh, animated shows, the new She-Ra and the Princesses of Power is a fantastic series. And he plays a character, Micah, uh, in that series. He's in many, many episodes as well. Cool, man. I will have to. I've never seen that. Yeah. I, so I have good. It's kind so of been good. taking a little bit of a break. Uh, from animation uh, lately, it seems. Uh, and uh, watching, to be frank, uh, Star Trek's kind of bringing me back, I think, making me want to explore more animation again. So uh, I will definitely have to give that a shot. Very cool. And then uh, this next one, I think we'll... Uh, this guy's got to have... <laughs> I just think... Uh, 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 a, a place of renown in Star Trek history. Okay, I just think he has to because of this, he's the first uh, bad guy. <laughs> he, he's, I don't know what he was. Is that a bad guy? I'm not I guess even he's sure. Kind of a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's but a bad it's just guy. he's like torturing the station or whatever. The first, you know, and I like a lot of folks. I think the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation, it, it was wow. a little bit of a slow. It took a little while to get up to flight speed, right? Like kind of like the Wright brothers, right? It was taking a while, but. But Michael Bell, happy birthday, sir. Michael Bell played the first really kind of pseudo-antagonist. I'm not sure what his role would be in the next-gen pilot encounter at Farpoint with the unforgettable name of Grappler Zorn. I don't think you could say Grappler Zorn no. without hearing Jonathan Frake say it because yeah. he says it like 150 <laughs> times in that episode. Uh, Captain, I've got Grappler Zorn on the, uh, on the view screen for you. Uh, Grappler okay. Zorn has a message for us. Uh, uh, I want you to contact Grappler. And he says it over and over. I feel like I cannot say his name without hearing <laughs> Frake. Well, and the, man, other, it's, and it's and the other thing was he was supposed to be an alien, right? He's this bandy. Mm-hmm. And I remember in that very first episode watching this and going, He's a human. Where are his forehead bumps? Like they they literally made him an alien and they did not give him forehead bumps in the very first episode. Come on. But he's got five Whoa. appendixes. You just can't see them, right? So it's <laughs> But just, you know, at some point, man, they ran out of money. It was the pilot, right? They're like, Oh, we'll put him in a crazy robe and that'll be it, right? Right. And give he is just hair. so uh yeah. Michael Bell's performance in that episode is great because he's just you can tell oh, they're just good. kind of like flying by the seat of their pants and he's, he's working just, it with such histrionics, right? Yeah. He's just like I mean, you'd think he's Lindsey Graham in a couple of scenes because he's carrying on yeah. so I mean he's, he's just kind of really like... Yeah, like he's looking around kind of befuddled about things like, I, I don't really know what's going on. The right aliens now. are watching me from under my desk, and if I do something <laughs> wrong, they're going to kill us. <laughs> so, happy birthday, Groppler Zorn, a.k.a. Michael Bell. What a, what a wonderful uh, introduction to, to the world of next-gen characters you provided for us that we have never forgotten. So, said with much love, brother. Said with much love. And finally, for me, Happy birthday as well go out to Janetta Arnett, 
who played Dr. Karen Lowe's in the Deep Space Nine episode, Statistical Probabilities. That is a rough title to get around. But, you know, every now and then you get one, and it's just uh, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a tongue twister. So Statistical Probabilities, friends. Janetta Arnett, your Star Trek legacy indoors. That's all I've got on my list this week, friends. So I'm going to pass the brightly lit dilithium crystal torch birthday candle supreme to my friend, Uncle Jim. Well, I got news for you guys. My list is not nearly as long as, as the previous list, but it's very distinguished. So we want to start off with saying happy birthday to Melanie Shatner, and she's the daughter of Sir Patrick Stewart, obviously. And uh, she plays Captain... No one's going to stop He's me. They're going to let the old guy ra- ram, ramble ram, ram Well, off. I just, you know, it's like there's always so much we can do to keep you on track, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jim says that. We're going to have another shot. And said, what? <laughs> We're going to have says, a Jim what? says, what? Yeah. So Melanie Shatner, uh, who played the Captain's Yeoman in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, she's the youngest of three of William Shatner's daughters. So happy birthday. To Melanie Shatner, and of course I had I threw her in there because she was in Star Trek V, my personal favorite Star Trek movie. Somehow uh, got a want... job on the movie that Shatner directed. I don't know how that happened. It's weird. You know, she just applied for it, and they said, "Gotta have her." She's so awesome. Yeah, it's just she said her yeah, Shatner's have the same name as William Shatner. Weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is no nepotism in Hollywood. That is an ugly rumor. <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> and we also like to say happy birthday to leslie ackerman who was the k7 waitress in the ds9 episode trials and tribulations and if you don't remember she's the one when they say when war says are those klingons and they're all looking like klingons where's the klingons klingons where and the waitress takes their drinks away and says you've had enough to drink and they all look mm-hmm. at warp and warp says we don't discuss it that's because mm. Deep Space Nine, they never saw smooth-headed Klingons before. So uh, Leslie Ackerman, the waitress that brought that scene to life. So happy birthday. And she's only in that episode. She's not in the original episode. She's not in, in, in Trouble with people. She's only in Trials and Tribulations. So happy birthday to Leslie Ackerman. We also want to say we have a new addition to our list. Um, Angus Emery, who play on Star Trek Prodigy, plays Zero, my favorite character on the show. I love the mm-hmm. fact that it's just it's a great character. I, I, and, uh, I, I love the way he plays it. So happy birthday. They are, they are, they are a Medusan, and they have been a really cool, like, like, how do you have this character who's non-corporeal and can instantly kill you if you look at them, but has, like, a heart of gold? <laughs> it's just so cool. Yeah, I, I really like Zero um, for sure. Uh, the next one is is a really great one. Um, a lot of people know him as Wesley Crusher from TNG and Star Trek Picard. Uh, he played himself on The Big Bang Theory. He was a Sheldon's personal nemesis. Other people might know him as Jordy from Stand By Me. <laughs> Gordy, um, Gordy, not Jordy. Jordy works in engineering, man. Jordy, Jordy works is in like, yeah, he's this... like the below decks in the Jeffries tube. That's strange. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about Will Wheaton himself. Will, Will Wheaton. Wheaton. 
as uh, Sheldon would say it. And of course, of course, I have a story about Will Wheaton. Um, he's great, by the way. Um, he takes a lot of heat, but he is an incredible, incredible guy, and he loves Star Trek. And way, way, way back in 1993, I was trying to do a Star Trek convention, and there was a company that shall not be named that was just being nasty and stealing all my actors and booking conventions in the city over from where mine was and just bad. One day my phone rings. My wife answers it and hands it to me and says, it's Will Wheaton. I was like, no, Will Wheaton calling me, jump back. That's I pick up the phone. How would Will Wheaton get my phone number? How, why would he call me? What the? Well, I, I answered the phone and it was Will Wheaton. And, um, Will Wheaton kind of had a falling out with Hollywood and he got out of acting and didn't want to be involved in it. So he wasn't acting uh, for the longest time. And Michael Dorn was a guest at my convention. And according to Will Wheaton, Michael Dorn had the flyer for my convention in his dressing room. Will Wheaton saw the flyer, took my number off of it. And you got to remember guys back in the nineties, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all the fancy fandangled technology that we have today. So my personal phone number was the official convention hotline. And people were calling me at all hours of the day. So I had a nice long message on my answer machine explaining how to get tickets, where to get tickets, where the hotel was, everything else. So uh, when he called, he was calling my house. And um, I was just shocked that he knew my number. And he says to me, you know, uh, I hear you're having a convention. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I'd love to stick it to the man. That's exactly what he said. Stick it to the man. And, uh, you know, I do your convention and he gave me this price and I was like, that's it. Really? And he says, yeah, uh, my brother, want, I need to bring my brother with me and we'll fly coach to make it even easier for you. I was like, great. Awesome. I just booked Will Wheaton and I didn't even have to call an agent or go to the Screen Actors Guild, none of that stuff. He just called me at home. And uh, we go to pick him up at the airport, and he gets off the plane. And I told you guys he was in his anti-Hollywood mode at this point. And he had this hair, this greasy hair hanging down over his face and the black leather jacket with the chains and everything. And we're all standing there with our Wesley Crusher stuff waiting for him to come off the plane, and he never comes off the plane. And we're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. His brother walks over to us and says, are you guys here uh, for Will Wheaton for the Star Trek convention. We're like, yeah, where is he? Oh, he's in the bathroom. He'll be right out. And he walked out and my face, my mouth hit the ground. I was like, oh my God. And I think he could read it on my face because he says, he says, oh, I won't, I won't look like this at the convention. I'll be all cleaned up and more recognizable. <laughs> and he was, he was. And one of the things when you do a Star Trek convention, guys, you don't talk about Star Trek with the guests because that's work to them. So you don't want to come off as a nerdy, geeky, you know, so you, you, you'll talk about the weather, their latest film, whatever, but you don't talk about Star Trek. It's just, and if you've listened to me talk with Leslie on stunt trucks, you, it's just a taboo thing. You just don't do it unless the actor themselves does it. Will we jump in the car where we get into the limo, he jumps in and the first words out of his mouth were, what do you think about that new doctor on DS9? He's kind of a giant gland, isn't he? Remember, this was 1990. Here we are in the back of a limo talking with Will Wheaton about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It was the coolest thing. So Will Wheaton is a great guy. And at the convention, 
He signed every autograph for every single fan. He sat down in the lobby posing for pictures. He judged the costume contest. He went to all the room parties. He did. He went way above and way beyond what I paid him for. Class act all the way, Will Wheaton. So happy birthday, Will Wheaton. And that's my Will Wheaton story. So let's move on to the next one. The next one. And I got a story about the next one, too. What a shocker, huh? Yes, so the next did. one oh, this is, is what I was thinking of. Yeah. And uh, if you have seen the, the pictures on our Facebook page, he was at my wedding. And yep. Carl Strike, of course, played Lurch in the Adams Family movies, the new remakes of the Adams Family movies. And in 1992, I was having another Star Trek convention, and Lurch was a guest there. And since we had rented every room in the entire hotel for the Star Trek convention, they gave us the ballroom for free on Friday night. So I decided... Why don't we just get married? All of our family and friends are here. Let's have our wedding. And it was not a Star Trek wedding. It was a normal wedding. I wore a tuxedo. Karen wore a wedding dress. It was a normal wedding, except Carl Stryken showed up. And when Carl Stryken walked into the ballroom, the band struck up Star Trek, and he came in, and everybody was like, ah, he's a big guy. <laughs> and uh, everybody talked to him, and he was really gracious, really friendly, really nice posed for a picture with me and my wife, Karen, which I posted on our Facebook page. And he was just generally a nice, nice, very nice guy. And of course, Carl Stryken is well known for playing Mr. Holm in uh, TNG, but he was also the baddie in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You can see him in Ewoks, The Battle for Endor. You can also catch him in Men in Black, Twin Peaks, and Babylon 5. He's been, been around quite a bit. So happy birthday, Carl Strachan. And the last one on my list, I don't have a story for, so I apologize. But we have had her husband on the podcast. There you go. A couple That's of... the story. The story we, we're for Mary her, Wiseman huh? adjacent. That's right. That's right. And um, so Mary Wiseman, of course, who plays Cadet Sylvia Tilly, now Lieutenant Tilly um, of Starfleet Academy on Star Trek Discovery. So happy birthday, to Mary Wiseman. And believe it or not, guys, that wraps up all of our birthdays. Can you believe it? We made it. Wow. We got through them all. (laughs) That's just amazing. And that brings us up to, you know what time it is now, don't you? Oh, yeah. What part of the show? This this is the part of the show. Convention. Convention. Calendar. 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 Well, Well. (laughs) (laughs) we already did it, Jim. It's too late. Sorry, I don't have to play it. All right, guys. It's going to re-record it for you, man. It's going to be, we're going to do a whole new, all your stuff's going to get re-recorded. You're going to love it. It's going to just be so We're going to have to have Paul re-record that one for us. (laughs) For both of them. For both of Why don't you get us started? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, start off this convention calendar. We are first tracking the Maryland Pop and Horror Con. That sounds pretty cool. August 27th through the 28th at the BWI Airport Marriott in Linthicum Heights, Maryland. We're also going to be checking out UltraCon the same weekend, August 27th through the 28th at the Expo Center at the South Florida Fairgrounds in West Palm Beach, Florida. And finally, the WV, that stands for West Virginia Pop Culture Con, same weekend, August 27th through the 28th at the Milan Park Expo Center in Morgantown, West Virginia, I can tell you, I have built a building 
in Morgantown, West Virginia. So while you're there, go check out the WVU library. That's right. Yours truly designed a good portion of that building. Have fun checking it out. Paul, which ones would you like to let us know about? Well, brother, if I'm planning a con and I want to really evoke a certain mood for my attendees and I want people to think that they're going to come there and we are going to stick to the man. We're going to tear down the patriarchy. We're going to have lit torches and we are just going to be on fire that we are going to out Woodstock Woodstock. I'm going to name that con Revolution Superfest because apparently... Hell yeah, dude. Revolution Superfest 2022, September 2nd to 3rd, Kimberton Fairgrounds, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. So... Friends in Phoenixville, I expect to see this con from outer space, okay? It should be that dramatic. I I expect to see that we have a whole new system of government the next morning. So have fun at Revolution Superfest. Further to south, uh, adjacent to the Magic Kingdom in the unusual state of Florida in beautiful Orlando, if you go September 2nd to the 4th at the Hyatt Regency Orlando, where there are many out-of-town attendees, You'll be able to go to Fanboy Expo, Orlando Convention, where it's okay to just call yourself a fanboy, and it's a point of pride. It's not an insult when somebody says, oh, get out of my way, fanboy. It's actually a a thing of great pride. Excuse me, I have tickets. I'm a fanboy. I mean, the the crowd will part like the Red Sea, you know? So have fun in Orlando. And if you're in Florida... Tear down a little bit of the patriarchy from me while you're there, will you? I got a little chip on my shoulder, Floridians. And also in the breadbasket of the United States in beautiful Minneapolis, September 2nd through 4th, you can attend Meshacon 2022, which sounds to me like something that you, he seems like he would be a season two original series villain. (laughs) Meshacon is unhappy with you. I don't know, but uh, (laughs) Meshacon has asked you to leave and return to your ship, Captain Kirk. But anyhow, see what's really going on in beautiful Minneapolis. Medicon 2022, September 2nd through 4th at the Hyde Regency, Minneapolis. That's my triumphant trio of triumphant cons, friends. I'm betting even more chaos is coming next from Charles. Charles, hit it, baby. Well, let's just try the weekend of September 3rd and 4th. If you're in Texas, you can go to Giganticon. At Killeen Civic Center and Conference Center, Killeen, Texas. Or if you're in California, Long Beach Comic Con, Long Beach Convention Center and Entertainment Center, Long Beach, California. Or we can head over to Rob Con, Southwest Virginia Higher Education Center. Evigdon, Virginia. What's up with that name, man? Rob Con? Is that like, is that like uh, is that a Rob dude? Con, it's man. It's Rob. Rob is the organizer. Rob. Rob's like short for robot. Rob? I can't believe guy Rob, you know. Rob. Yeah, I'm super yeah, intrigued. I want to know more about Rob Con. I'm, I'm going to look it up. Right I got to learn, man. This is like wow. Everybody knows That's wild. Rob. Well, well, I got to get out more, Jim. Yeah. I'll be here from David. What do you got, right, David? Cool. All right. Well, it looks like I got the uh, Road City Comic Con from September yeah! 11th. Woo, baby! 
I guess I'm really it. wanting to go to that one. But it's going to happen over at Oregon Convention Center in Portland, Oregon. You know who's going to be there? Do you know who's going to be there? Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Yep. yep. Rob, sure. Rob's going to be there. I'm going to say it in one word, man. Lando. Lando Calrissian <laughs> is coming to Ooh. Portland. That's Rob. Oh my God, that's going to be Rob. cool. And uh, Doctor, uh, the doctor from Discovery is going to be there as well. I think maybe even Stamets. So oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're they're going to be there together, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, these guest lists change so frequently, but it's looking like a great con, friends. Sorry, David. I just did local enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a convention center I'm really looking forward to going to so it's just right across the river from me basically <laughs> so now my next one is the Power Comic Con on September 10th Florence Center Florence uh, I know what SC stands for I can't remember because it's South super Carolina. cool yeah super cool <laughs> South Carolina <laughs> Oh, South yep. Carolina. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> All right. And the next one is Arkansas Comic Con, uh, September 10th through the 11th, uh, State House Convention Center in Little Rock, Arkansas. All right. That's it for me. Wow. That's pretty cool. And we're going we're gonna to just jump right into our Star Trek news, and hopefully we can get through it before we run out of time. And I'm going to start off with the first story. Jonathan Frakes wants to be in on the birth of the next Star Trek series. Mm-hmm. As a director on Star Trek Discovery, Frakes was one of the first to work with non-binary actor Blue DeBarro, who plays Adira, and said he was astounded by their talent and disarming confidence on set. He said he did have an adjustment to make when it came to using correct pronouns, especially as Blue changed from being she to they during filming to reflect their real-life journey. I felt it was extremely important for him to lead by example. He said he screwed up and he got better at it, is that it was great that it's part of our brave, strange new world, not so strange. He said, people perceive that Star Trek is too woke because it's dealing with what's really going on in the world in a very timely and conscious and appropriate way. It seems absurd, says Frakes. As someone who has acted and directed on multiple Star Trek series, Frakes expressed his enthusiasm for all the work that's being done on the new shows and said, quote, I would like to be involved in the birth of one of these shows. That's a very attractive job, end quote. Frakes has, worked, Frakes has worked consistently over the past five years as a director on all three current live-action Star Treks, Discovery, Picard, and Strange New Worlds. Although we've yet to see his Strange New Worlds episode, it's going to be the crossover one with Lower Decks. However, he has yet to direct a pilot episode, Pilot directors can have a big impact on a series, setting a style and tone, and even being involved with production design and casting. And we know there are more shows in active development, so maybe he will get his wish. Charles, what do you got? Well, speaking of freaks, Star Trek Jonathan Jonathan Freaks reflects on one of his biggest next-generation era regrets. In a recent discussion on how Star Trek continues to ride science fiction's progressive edge when it comes to exploring social themes, Frank says that times have definitely changed in the decades since his first boarding the TNG cast for a life-changing 
turn on the TV, turn on his own TV career. But he added the series that always made effort to how the Star Trek leader Gene Roddenberry's vision of inclusion, inclusiveness, even when the times haven't quite been ready for it. Confessing, confessing that today's Star Trek handles social themes much more gracefully than Next Generation could sometimes manage. Craig cites the 1992 TNG episode, The Outcast, as a case where gender agnostic treatment caused far more studio fret back in the day than they do on the current series of Star Trek Discovery. Declining to cast a man to play the role of Soren, the generative indefined alien who Riker falls in love with, he said, has always seemed like a missed opportunity. Riker was sent to a planet of androgynous beings, and clearly the story was meant to be that Riker and his erogenous character had chemistry, he said. And the character should have been cast as a man, I think. The network or someone didn't have the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. So they cast an androgynous-looking woman so Riker would not be portrayed as gay, perhaps. I'm not quite sure what the thinking was, but it always seems like a missed opportunity. Even with the casting choices, the outcast may have pushed social boundaries when it first aired in the early 90s. Current Star Trek do in the newer ways of today. Pleasing diehard fans were preserving the mainstream appeal of Star Trek, said Rick. It's always been a delicate balancing act. As the early reception of Next Generation demonstrated at the time, Frakes likely isn't seeing those kinds of expectations holding him back for his newest Star Trek cast, directing a crossover of Star Trek Strange New Worlds that mixes in animation segments with characters of lower decks. Watch for the episode to arrive sometime in the not-too-distant future. As we wait, word for Strange New World season two premiere date from Paramount Plus. That's cool that he's and willing to like, like that. He's willing to just talk like that, man, and just you know, kind of yeah. be critical and and look at it with well, you know the hindsight that comes with some time and passage of years. I think it's really cool that he said that. I think it's great. Well, I and think that Jonathan, if you look at the if you look at the document documentary documentary. For DS9, even there they admitted, did they hit the did they hit the mark on that area? And they sit there and said, no, we didn't hit the mark. We could have done much more, and we didn't. So yeah. they both, both series admit the fact that they struggled to deal in with some of those social issues. And I love, Charles, actually the article that Jim read before that where Frake says, listen, you know, when I was confronted with this new character and this new actor, this new real-life actor, Blue Del Barrio, I got it wrong a couple of times when I tried to do the pronouns. And yet I kept on trying, and eventually I got it right. And I think that that's something that we all can keep in mind. You know what? We're not going to get it right every single time, guys. 
But as long as we're trying, as long as we're respecting those around us and giving them the, the respect that they deserve, we'll just keep trying. And eventually we'll get it right because it's just a matter of practice. Yep. And I also exactly. I think that Jonathan Freak is like, uh, he's like the new Leonard Nimoy. You know, I think that he's, He's taken over he's the reins ambas- of- He's the ambassador. Well, he's the main ambassador yeah. for Star Trek. I think that people see him as kind of like the granddaddy of Star Trek because Patrick Stewart is is obviously like still around and stuff, but but Frakes is the one who has influence on the directing side of it too. And you see him on both sides of the camera. And I think that that really resonates with fans. And I think it makes them think of Frakes as the guy who is the granddaddy of Star Trek at this point. I agree. I agree. And 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 Gene Roddenberry picked Frakes for the role of Riker. And Frakes yeah. spent. I remember an article we had on Shatner says what, where he says I spent uh, three years with Gene Roddenberry. Well, uh, Frakes didn't get to spend. Well, yeah, he did actually. He he spent more than three years working with Gene Roddenberry. So that made more about think, four. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. More. So I think that you know Frakes is very respected both behind the camera and in front of the camera. So when he, he he's like EF Hutton, when he talks, people listen, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't and of course think people... afraid. He's not afraid to shake the tree. Well, he's not. And, and, the, and the, you know, the other thing I must say that he benefits from is that the character of Riker has had a very strong following post TNG, like those Titan novels are really, really popular. And people love hearing stories about Captain Riker and the Titan and all that kind of stuff. And they absolutely freaked out when he showed up on Picard in the Zeng Hei and like his whole fleet of stuff. So, so there, you know, not only does he have on-screen time, he's got off-screen time that his character is benefiting from. And so he's just kind of hitting it from all angles. He's got a kick-ass character in multiple series. He's got kick-ass books about him. He's a kick-ass director. He's just kicking ass everywhere when it comes to Star Trek. And, and he's great with the fans, too. And that, that, I think that's important. When, when uh, he showed up on TNG, my wife went crazy. She loves Jonathan Frakes. We drove all the way to Syracuse in a car with no heat in the middle of the winter so she could meet him. And we got there, and he had a beard. This was, this was way early in season one when Riker yeah. didn't have a beard. But he grew one. And we met, when, we, when we saw him, he had a beard. And he asked us, you know, what do you think about the beard? Do you like it? You know, maybe I'll keep it. And uh, he he was really great. He was really really great. So, yeah, I think he's I think he's the man for well, sure. I I still I still love I still love him at the convention a couple of years ago. As they they uh, Picard had been they either were filming Picard, but they couldn't say much about it. And he comes out in his T-shirt. And I think it was something like, don't ask me. I signed an NDA. Yep. And that was yep. just a riot to see him in that shirt. But it's like, okay, yeah, folks, I'm just, I can't say anything because it's, it's secret. But yet, yeah, he is very well-spoken, very good with the crowd, with the band. Well, that's because in the early days of Star Trek conventions, uh, people got to remember, we didn't have the internet. We had AOL back then. So when you went to a convention, yes, 
Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis were the two worst, well, the best, at giving out information. What are they going to do, fire them? So you go to a convention, yeah. and Frakes or, or Sirtis would say, oh, yeah, we, we could just film an episode with Q, and he's going he's gonna to show up with, and do this and this and this and that. And, or, or Frakes would say, we just filmed an episode where Worf, Worf killed his brother or whatever. And we'd be all like, oh, wow, 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 because we, we just got some news that, you know, no one else got. So they were really big at that way back in the day. Today, as soon as something happens, it's all over the internet and everybody knows. But back then, it, when you went to a convention and they said something like that, it was it was a big deal. So, yeah, yeah. it was cool. So, uh, Paul, you have our final story. Of the evening, which right up the I think we do here. have one here, friends. We do indeed. Uh, something that could raise an eyebrow and uh, make folks be a bit intrigued as Star Trek's Alex Kurtzman offers an update on whether a Deep Space Nine revival could happen in the new era. Paramount Plus subscribers have a lot of new Star Trek content coming to them in the years to come, but that doesn't mean fans would turn away even more content. Many fans are interested in seeing Deep Space Nine and or its characters return for a revival of some kind, especially after it was revealed that the Lower Decks crew will visit the outpost in Season 3. Star Trek has already reflected on the past with meaningful shows and storylines for characters featured in The Next Generation and Voyager, but Deep Space Nine hasn't received as much attention to this point. It sounds like that might change sometime soon. Alex Kurtzman was asked about making more DS9 content and gave a fairly surprising update. Um, I'm trying to answer your question without revealing anything. I think we're always having conversations about the history of Star Trek, and obviously Cisco is a critical, critical figure for everybody. Conversations definitely have been had. Avery Brooks hasn't made Hollywood... Exactly. Oh, that's ominous. Well, exciting. Avery Brooks hasn't made Hollywood a full priority in the past decade. Seeing him return as Cisco, especially in live action, would be quite a rare treat and maybe the most unexpected return of a Star Trek character from that particular project. It's possible Kurtzman and the others are trying to make something happen, but whether it's bringing Brooks back to the franchise or something else entirely, we can't be sure. But the point is, something is happening, or else he wouldn't have been so intentionally vague, right? Why not? Wait to see. All I just know is Avery Brooks is great. I think he's a tremendous, ca- uh, a tremendous uh, captain, and uh, more importantly, a really outstanding actor. I haven't seen him in anything new in a while, but uh, he's a dynamic performer, um, super emotional, engaging. I would love to see him return to the Star Trek universe. I think it would be fantastic. Well, Paul, I've got some inside information that I got from a deep source a very deep source. I cannot reveal the source because they would have to kill me if I divulge their name. But I know the name. Avery Brooks is going to be back on Star Trek and he's going to be playing the brother of his character, Rob. So the Rob Con is actually Avery Brooks. He's going to be there as Rob, the new character who's playing on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You heard it here first. Wow, I, I, I just yeah. I don't even know how to react to that, Uncle Jim. <laughs> it's top, top I'm so secret, I'm so uh, gobsmacked. I'm so gobsmacked I'm, I'm by your reveal. Right now. I feel if I was to look at your if I was to look at your 
home right now, I would see a, a burning NDA out on the back porch someplace. Just in, in yeah. See, so keep an eye You're out. You're clearly violating a confidence of great repute. So and uh, and somewhere wow. Rob is laughing maniacally. But this is, this is it. So to bring it back around to reality, though, but seriously, like, I, so Avery, there's no question that Cisco is is a absolutely quintessential and unique character in Star Trek, right? Like nobody else has like punched Q in the face. Nobody else has fought a war against the Dominion. I mean, this guy, like he's, he's a very special guy. And so my question is, is this something that we just want to let it be, you know, or could they do a DS nine revival without Avery Brooks? Or is Avery Brooks an essential component of a DS9 revival? I, I don't know. I think this is an interesting topic that maybe we don't have enough time to entirely cover, cover tonight because we only have a couple minutes. But to me, Avery Brooks is just a fascinating topic to cover when it comes to Star Trek because he has, he's pretty much said that he doesn't want to have anything to do with Star Trek at this point. So I can't imagine them actually bringing him back. But if they did, it would be cool. But then would it actually be cool? I don't know. Uh, I mean, we well, see this so often. It's just like that's, uh, I'd say, you know, and then this is a whole show, right? If we were talking right. about Right, that's this. what I'm but, saying. But, yeah. but like 50% of Hollywood these days is, 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 you know, kind of cinematic necrophilia, right? It's mining what's been dead and trying to resurrect it and juice it up again. And it very seldom works, right? I mean, they think, oh, we're going to give it a reinvention and do this, right? And, uh, and every now and then something takes off and it works correctly. And it's like, okay, you breathe some new life into this sort of stuff. But is it the same? Can you actually, uh, you know, get the lightning to strike twice again and have all that wonderful nostalgia? Or does everyone just sort of look a little older and puffier? And is it just not quite, is it, it does it feel in the rearview mirror more like a cash grab, right? I mean, I, I, especially with Cisco and the way that he ended his, his run on DS nine, right? Like to bring him back is kind of like, okay, like you already ended his story. Why are you going to bring him back? Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's better to let stuff, like you say, be, be, leave it well enough alone. I mean, it's just, it's just, but that's not Hollywood, man. Hollywood is like, wait a second. There's still one half of a thimble full of, moisture left in this sponge and figure out what that's worth and if who's representing that droplet of water so we can get a good deal i mean it's it's the kind of unpleasant part of hollywood but it's just it's, you know they're they're they never say die to the idea of something that because it's always safer to do something that's come before than take a risk and do something new and unfortunately that's the e pluribus unum on the back of every dollar bill in hollywood so but uh yeah, so we'll see. I just wish Mr. Brooks well, wherever he is, um, uh, whatever he's doing. I, I like to. Th- I hope he's doing theater. That's what I. I I'd like to see him in live theater. Yeah. yeah, he's just a, such a commanding voice, and he's just. I mean, I'd just like to see him doing Shakespeare. That seems to me what that man was was put on this earth to do. So I, I hope he's uh, enjoying a retirement away from film and television and trodden the boards, man. That's what I'd like to see him doing. But uh, we will see. I mean, Alex Kurtzman certainly has lots of stuff going on these days. I mean, my goodness. He's just working it and working it and working it and digging stuff up. So I guess we'll find out. Well, guys. What's next? We, yep. we are going to obviously have to move our discussion of Strange New Worlds to next week. I thought we might have to. Yep. Um, because we too we, bad because I got I got a wish list thing for uh, for Una. 
Ooh, I, I didn't want to cut. Uh, I didn't want to cut Nichelle short, and I, I didn't want to feel rushed when we were talking about her. So, okay. So we're just going to move Strange New World to next Thursday. So if you want to find out what we think about Strange New Worlds and where we'd like to see it go and our ideas, tune in next Thursday, same bat time, same bat channel. All right, I want to say thank you so much to Ray for giving us a call from the Bronx. And sorry to hear about them Yankees, Ray, but every now and then. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And right now, right now, the Mets are kicking the uh, Braves' butts right Woo! now. Last time. Oh, the, the Braves. Uh, I can't stand the Braves. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I, oh. I checked oh. before the podcast, 5-0. to zero. Um, right now it's six to four. So um, okay, yeah, come on, boys. But uh, it will be enough. I'm not worried. At any rate, so I want to say thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Always good. And uh, thank you so much to our very own David for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us as well. Thank you. My pleasure, brother. It was really nice to be able to hold up all of our collective candles to honor the legacy of Nichelle Nichols together. So that was a pretty special thing. Uh, long may her memory uh, burn brightly in the stars. Absolutely. And thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out with us and truck talking. Thank you, Eric. Oh, man, I had a great time, as always. Thank you all so much for doing this. Uh, it's one of the highlights of my week, for sure. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say to you guys, please remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Stay safe to each other. In the words of the late Michelle Nichols, mailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye, y'all. Good night. Good night, everybody. Be well. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.